After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer alongside Teddy Cahill. Happy to be here. We're here to talk about the Indian system today. And, and Teddy, before we dive deep into the system... Obviously, the Indians were the American League champions in 2016, 2017, 102 victories, best in the American League. Obviously, fell short of expectations in the playoffs, but overall, you look at the Indians, um, just the young core they have, what this system has graduated over the previous two, three, four, five years. It's a really, really good under-25 core, which I think goes beyond just what's strictly in the farm system. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. When you look at it... um you, you look at how they're set up uh, for the future still. You, the, the proverbial window is definitely still open. I mean, you got guys like Lindor and Jose Ramirez, um, you know, sitting right there in the, the infield. And, um, you know, those are, those are two incredible talents. And, um, you know, Mike Clevenger is still, um, you know, kind of finding a role, in, you know, in the Indians' crowded rotation. But, um, you know, he's a, he's a very nice piece for them to have. Uh, wherever they put him on the pitching staff. And, um, you know, I know that the, the system in our recent farm rankings, you know, may not rank out, you know, as, as one of the best in, in baseball, but, you know, it's still a solid group even after they dipped into it for, for some trades and, and graduated some of these guys. Um, you know, so I, I think it's a good overall uh, group of, of under 25. And I, I think that's, it's clearly a big part of the reason why the Indians have been good, um, you know, in recent seasons is, is a, in large part due to the, the players that graduated from the farm system. And I think that's a direct result. I don't think, I mean, it is a direct result of how well they've drafted. Well, obviously not every pick has been successful. 2015, yes, Brady Aiken was the first pick. Tristan McKenzie was the second rounder. 2014, you take Bradley Zimmer and Justice Sheffield. Sheffield obviously uh, has moved on, a big part of acquiring uh, acquiring Andrew Miller. Um, obviously, Lindor was was a draft a high draft pick as well. Then you look on the international side; they've done some really good things with uh, Francisco Mejia, Jose Ramirez, even a guy like Yandy Diaz. Back to the draft, you know, Tyler Naquin had a down year. They've seems like they've done a really nice job of talent acquisition. At every level, and it was years in the making. It's not like, I think for in some regards, it seemed like the Indians might have popped up, quote-unquote, out of nowhere in 2016 when they went all the way to the World Series. But you'd seen this talent pipeline being built, and, and there's still some more left. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the, the front office does an incredible job. Um, you know, there, there's a reason why Chris Antonetti was our executive of the year a year ago. Um, you know, and, and he, with him at president and, and Mike Chernoff at general manager, uh, and then you know it goes all it goes much deeper than that. 
Um, you know, Brad Grant did an incredible job um, drafting players uh, for for I, the better part of a decade uh, as as the Indian scouting director, and you know he got promoted this winter as a result of that. Um, but the the job that he did really can't be overstated. I feel like um, when when you consider who the Indians have acquired just from the draft. I mean, go back to 2009, Jason Kipnis, 2010, Drew Pomerantz. Obviously, didn't end up having a career at the Indians, but still a I mean, successful those, pick. I mean, he was a part of acquiring Ubaldo, who, um, you know, it didn't quite work out. But, I mean, but it, Cody it, Allen was the 16th yes. rounder. I mean, you give – the idea is that you give your, your general manager either pieces that are going to help the big league roster directly or you give him ammunition for trades. And – um, you know, for, for many years, Brad Grant did that. And, uh, Chisinau in 08. I mean, you go back yeah. almost every year, there's a guy who's played a major role in getting the Indians this spot. Absolutely. And um, you know, so he, he was rewarded for that, and uh, he has the, the scouting department set up well to, to continue to draft well. And, um, you know, I mean, and the, the way that they have gone deeper into the international market, I think is as a re- you know, they've been able to show that they can have success with some guys who aren't high profile coming out of, uh, you know, when, when they sign them. Um, but you get guys like Francisco Mejia and you identify him and then you develop him and he winds up being a top 20 prospect in baseball. And, um, you know, I think the international department's being rewarded for that. Uh, they're seeing more resources allocated to them. Uh, I haven't really quite been able to confirm this, but I'm very certain that the Indians set a record uh, this last international signing period with how much they spent. Um, franchise record franchise record yes um that they you know they really um you know maybe if you you maybe you have to take out danny baez for it to have been a franchise record but um just in general they 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 are definitely committed right now internationally and and i think they're they're seeing success from that um and the developmental like i this has been a lot about player acquisition but the developmental uh pipeline has has been very strong as well and um, you know, I think you have to give the assistant general managers there, Carter Hawkins and Matt Foreman, who both kind of one of them spearheads development and one of them kind of spearheads acquisition. The, the two of them um, recently promoted into those roles, but they're they're doing a good job and they're you know just following in the wake of uh, you know the, the the track that was laid by the, the many talented people that have come through the Cleveland front office before them. The Indians are in a really good place at the big league level. They've also got some guys, you know, you talked about the system has thinned out with some trades. Trading Justice Sheffield obviously is one that, you know, could in a few years make you wince a little bit just because of what Sheffield can be. But without Andrew Miller, they don't the, get to the World Series. I do love that that has already become the Justice Sheffield trade and not the Clint Frazier trade. Yes, um, things change pretty quickly. Uh, I also don't think history will see it that way, but... That's a different... Well, right. That's, so we'll let the Yankees podcast take care of that question. <laughs> but no, in general, though, I mean, there's definitely uh, been, uh, you know, a lot of guys that have been traded sure. moved. But there's still two guys at the top. You mentioned they're both top 50 prospects. I want to start with Francisco Mejia. The big thing with him is, you know, he's a smaller guy. He's five foot ten, 190 pounds. And uh, when we met him at the Futures game, 5'10", 180, meeting him at the Futures game, that might be a little generous. Um, but look, there's no denying the guy's track record. He hits, hits for some pop. He's got excellent strike zone awareness, plate discipline. No one doubts this guy is going to hit and, and hit a lot. At the end of last year, we heard a lot of reports about him really wearing down behind the plate, which understandable. You know, caught uh, played 92 games at Akron, and then in the fall league, the experiments with him at third base a little bit just kind of moved him around. What? 
from your research and talking to individuals within the Indians front office, what's the perception of Francisco Mejia's defensive you know, position long term and how likely it is he actually stays behind the plate? He is a catcher, period. Like that is, that is what the Indians see. Um, the move to third base in the fall league uh, was to give him positional versatility, which is a huge uh, aspect of any Indians development of a, a position player. We've seen Jose Ramirez, we've seen Jason Kipnis, Every, all these guys Everyone that comes up as an Indian is going to be asked to play somewhere else to add to positional versatility because they value it very highly at the big league level and it gives Terry Francona options. The only player I can think of that was never asked to do this was Francisco Lindor. Because if you have a gold glove shortstop, you let him you play, play gold the gold glove shortstop. shortstop. Right. Yes. Don't mess around with him. <laughs> um, so Mejia is being played at third base because his bat is probably big league ready right now or will be at some point very soon. But the Indians already have two very strong defensive catchers. Um, so to get his bat into the lineup, they understand that he has to do something else. And you know they want options for him. And, I mean, there's a chance, of course, that with any catcher, if they hit too much, you don't want them to be catching. So, you know, they're trying to – they're just trying to figure this out at this point. But, you know, for for the moment and for the foreseeable future, they view him as a catcher. Um, He has a a plus-plus arm, and, you know, he's really improved in terms of his receiving and his blocking. And and I I understand the concerns in the long run, um, but I think there are basically – people that think every catcher is going to move off the position <laughs> until they do it in the big leagues for two or three years. So for uh, for uh, Mejia last year, caught 72 of his 92 games at Akron, went up to the majors, two games DH, uh, played three games as a catcher, and that was only four innings of catching in those three games, but did get a little taste of it. Um, you know, very, very small sample size, obviously, but Look, I mean, he's got the experience now. He knows, you know, that little taste of being up in the major leagues, what he's going to have to do, what he's going to have to work on. Uh, safe to assume he begins the year in Columbus. Just overall, you mentioned that the blocking, the receiving has improved. No one's ever doubted the arm. Uh, he's threw out 30% of runners last year, 29% across his career. Overall, what are, what's the biggest area from scouts, either inside or outside the organization, that they want to see from him behind the plate? Um, you know, I think it's just cleaning some things up back there. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's a guy that uh, people have, in the past, there, there were some questions of, um, you know, I guess uh, how mentally checked in he was all the time. Uh, but I think that that's gotten better. Um, and I, I think that this year you just saw a lot more consistent play behind the plate. But I think that is still a thing that um, you know is out there for him to to improve on. Um, that you know you can um, you know just just be a little better in terms of, of of the receiving and 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 you know all the very all the little things that go into catching that that you have to be mindful of at all times behind the plate. He's gotten a lot better um, at speaking English, uh, which is a key point of development uh, in the Indians for for any catcher. Um, They're willing to slow catchers down to help them learn English um, because they they value the the communication uh, with the pitching staff that highly. And he's gotten better at that, and and, and he's really – I think that 
played a role in his improvement defensively this season as well. One of the things, too, uh, I remember when he came and talked with the Futures game, uh, apparently he's a, he's a good cook, loves to cook, and definitely a more, a more soft-spoken guy. Uh, you mentioned the development of English. Obviously, catching, you know, being a catcher at the big level, half the job sometimes is playing psychologist. Uh, just what was the overall sense in terms of his growth and development as, as a leader? Just because, again, you know, for all that is talk, He's 20, 21 years old. He'd be a college junior. This is still a growing human being, not just a growing catcher. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he is still, in in many respects, a kid, um, you know, when, when we look at this. And um, I think that that was, you know, they wanted to expose him to the big leagues like a lot of teams do. They, they want to expose their top prospects so that he could see what happens up there, the way Jan Gomes and Roberto Perez prepare for games. And, you know, I, I'd have to think that, um, you know, being around those guys, uh, both in, in big league spring training and then seeing them throughout September. In the heat of a pennant race. It, yeah. When, uh, you know, when it really, really matters, um, seeing what they do. Well, the Indians had it mostly wrapped up by them, but still. I, I mean, he it comes also... up in the, in the midst of the, the streak, which, um, you know, probably helps uh, add a little more, uh, you know, fever to the the. What was yes a, a pretty boring division race <laughs> at that point, but the I race mean, for home field. There we go. That was the, they that were was the they were very interested in that, yeah. and um, you know, but seeing being able to be around those guys, I, I think can only help him as, as a player, and um, you know, he'll get more taste of that this spring. You're, you you mentioned he'll probably go to Columbus. Almost certainly he'll go to Columbus, and uh, you know, maybe he hits his way and forces the issue at some point in the summer. Or maybe you're you're looking at another September call up and more of a, a 2019 uh, ETA, but at some point soon he's he's coming and coming for good. You know we've talked about the days of the catcher, you know the starting guy going out and catching 130 games. You know short of Yadi Molina, that era doesn't really happen as much anymore. It's a lot of you know a, a 160 type of split. You see a lot of that. Last year he only caught 72 games. The year before he caught 87. Um, so while obviously being a catcher and having the skills to catch. The durability to do it start to finish is just another growth point. And I just remember that the biggest thing that I, we heard all over last year was he tired down then he tired down the end. Um, any talk about, you know, fitness type stuff just to get him to, to last a little bit longer, maybe get into that 90, 95, maybe even 100 games caught range? Uh, you know, I think some of that just comes naturally. Again, you're talking about a guy that, that's 21. Um, I you guess turn 22 in October. 22 maybe. now. Um, so, you, but you're, you're talking about a guy that, that is still, um, still you know, developing physically, and um, you know, so I think that is a, that is a thing. But it's not something that has really been emphasized up to this point. Um, you know, maybe it, it will, that that will start being more of a point of emphasis. Um, but the Indians. With their current situation, uh, and Roberto Perez still has multiple years of control, um, you know they're not going to ever ask one of those catchers to to go out and Yadi Molina or Salvi Perez it. Um, so, you know, it, it's a thing, but I think it's also a thing that in the modern game that we aren't really asking these guys to do that. That's fair. Tristan McKenzie is another premium prospect. He was number two. Speaking of physical development. <laughs> how much of a debate was there for you and, and Mejia won, McKenzie two? Was it pretty clear? How close was it? You know, it was a bigger debate last year. Um, this year, the fact that Mejia was the number one prospect already and had a really good year at, in the upper minors um, kind of made it not much of a debate in my mind. Uh, you can very much make an argument for Tristan McKenzie, but... In general, when the position player 
is um, you know a level ahead and as good of a hitter as Francisco Mejia is. And oh, by the way, he's a catcher. Like this all um, goes a, a long way in his favor. And um, you know, I love Tristan McKenzie, but you know, you're talking about you know a guy that you're talking about a right-hander who. Um, you know, there, there, are physicality, there have been physicality questions about him since high school that hasn't reached the upper minors yet. So for all of his success and all of his incredible tools, um, you know, for me, it's a little difficult to rank that guy ahead of Mejia. That said, there are some guys that are number ones in some systems. I say I'd rather have Tristan McKenzie than that guy, and I think oh, that's, no that, that's reflected in the fact that he was a number thirty-two in the BA top one hundred, one of the top right-handers in the game. And you know, you mentioned the physicality. For those unaware, uh, Tristan McKenzie is built like a string bean. He's listed six-five, one sixty-five. Um, you know, it's 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 very very much uh, saying lanky doesn't do it justice. Now, that one sixty-five has not changed at all since high school, so I'm inclined to think that it's a little bit heavier than that now, but it's Still. not not very so much. So that's where the questions have come, but I thought the most important development to me, I, I saw him early last year at Lynchburg. He was fantastic. I mean, the type of guy you go, wow, I want that guy. And what I saw early was his first inning or two, he was 93-94. Innings three and four, he was down more 90-92. Then innings four, five, he was 87-88. But he had the pitch ability to pitch through the velocity loss and was able to reach back for... 91 on his strike three so you could see both hey this guy's you know really knows how to pitch can pitch when he's got his best stuff and when he doesn't but you also saw the velocity drop where you say okay this is where everyone talks about the strength gains you know the the thing about that and you know i wasn't there that night so i'm not going to say that you didn't see what you saw i'm sure that you did but they you know if you look at the numbers his velocity really held true throughout the season. And there is, in individual games, there is a, a, you know, it starts, it goes down, it then, he senses the finish line, and he closes strong again. So when you see a player doing that, and the fact that his velo did not decrease throughout the season this year, as opposed to what it did in years past, um, I think that we're he's starting to really answer these questions that a lot of scouts had about can he maintain it, can he start, can he handle a starter's workload on that frame. And I think that you know, there are still questions to be answered on that. He's still only thrown 150 innings. That's his max. Um, but we are seeing all the signs that point towards that yes, yes, he can do it. Well, that was kind of my follow-up. So he threw 143 innings this year, which is a very, very high workload for a lot of minor leaguers. 19, Plus seven nine, playoff innings. 19 years old, uh, age 19 season. But here to me was the most important thing. His final five starts of the regular season, for a guy that everyone's worried about his durability, worried about if he can hold his stuff, final five starts of the regular season. 3-0, 2.76 ERA, 44 strikeouts and four walks in 29 to third innings. You want to talk about finishing strong? This guy did it. And to me, you know, last year Chris, Tristan McKenzie had all these great things going for him. You saw X and Y and Z. But, you know, it was 83, 80, 83 and a third innings. You said, all right, we know this is the wrap. We need to see him do it. To me, he did it this year, throwing 143, finishing the way he did, and then having the postseason on top of it. To me, a lot of the questions now about that physicality – I want to say they've disappeared entirely, but I'm 99% less, you know, it's 99% less on my radar this year than with what he showed last year. 
Yeah, and you know he's doing it at a at a very advanced level to to be in the Carolina League as a as a teenager and doing that is very impressive. His strikeouts were like third in the minors, second in the minors. Um, his strikeout total um, and you know he's with control. It wasn't like he was. You know, oh yeah, I mean two point eight walks per nine. It's not like it came with wildness. Everything was on point. Absolutely and. 105 hits, 143 innings. Not like they got contact on him either. It was all there. It, it it's really impressive, and I know some people are going to look at the the velo um, or or know what his velo is and and say, well, really, how is he doing this? He he throws at 92, um, but you know the he gets incredible extension. He really knows how to pitch. Um, could he? You know, it, there's always been this this dream basically that he fills out a little more and starts throwing like 99. Um, and at this point, maybe we need to give up on that dream uh, if you're still holding on to it. But what you've seen is he can be very effective throwing 92. And, and I would also say, you know, given his body type, given the fact he's, you know, was 19, he turned 20 at the end of the season. To me, I don't see 99. But if you were to tell me he were to, you know, make that jump, you know, age 20, 21, where, you know, that is still when a lot of guys – you know, they muscle up a little more. It's more of that 20, 21. I don't think anyone would say he has his man strength yet. So if I mean, that if, actually if, if, shows up. If you were up. to tell me he can get up, he starts showing you 96 yeah. in three years, yeah. I'd buy it. 99 is a little rich. But, you know, the fact that he's got pitchability, he's got command. And, again, it's not like the stuff is, you know, it's not 88 to 90. It's it's a solid, it's a firm two and three, a touching a four. I think there's enough stuff combined with the projectability, combined with what he showed this year, you know, this is a really promising prospect, and, and to me, you know, the Indians only have two top hundred prospects. But Which when is it's a mistake. but when it's Francisco Mejia <laughs> and Tristan McKenzie, I still feel really good about where I where I am as a farm system, knowing I have you know that position player and that and that pitcher sitting at the top of it. Yeah, um, I mean, if I'd been sitting in that top 100 meeting, uh, which I skipped uh, to work on college preview stuff, um, you know, I probably would have advocated and I'm, I know other people did for Bobby Bradley uh, and even Nolan Jones but no I mean the, those those two at the top of it basically uh, I don't know at least 25 teams in baseball I would imagine would 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 go for that um, you know the the very elite teams probably prefer their farm systems and, and, and their ones and twos but you know the, that one two of McKenzie and, and Mejia is it, it it's very impressive and it's not you know they're close um, you know, Mejia, like I said, is, you know, he's already made his big league debut. He's, he's really closing in. And, um, you know, McKenzie, you're, I doubt you see him at all in Cleveland this year, but you're going to see him at some point in 19. Starts double-A this year, maybe finishes in triple-A, comes up. No, that's very, very likely that as a 21, maybe newly minted 22-year-old, he gets his first taste. So those are the top two. We, we established that. Uh, what would you say is, is the next year? Is it Bradley and Jones alone in the next year? Were there other guys in that 3-4 debate? No, I mean, I think that you know, you got Shane Bieber sitting at 5, um, Yu Chen Chain at, at 6, and uh, Willie Castro at 7, and... I think maybe it's fair to say that's the next tier. Um, three through seven. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think Bradley is probably separating from that. Like, I don't, I, I think you can maybe order four through seven, however you want, but I, Bradley maybe is on his own or, or belongs in this top tier. Uh, I know he's not top 100, but, um, you know, be a top 150 prospect certainly so you know if you if you look at those three and also he is 
uh, you know, going to be in AAA this year. Um, you know, so he's kind of on that, you know, with Mejia uh, developmentally. Um, you know, and then four through seven is a, is a little bit harder to order, I, I think, is, is the way I looked at it. Yeah, so talking about Bobby Bradley, this is a guy who has been one of the premier power hitters in the minors for a long time. Big, physical, left-handed, 27 home runs in 2015 at Lake County, 29 home runs in 2016 at Lynchburg, 23 home runs at AA last year at Akron, age 21. The power's always been there. The strikeout rate came down quite a bit. Uh, it was uh, 33%, I believe, uh, his high A year. Cut it down to 23% in double A year. Um, average went up. On base went down a little bit. Slugging stayed about the same. Just what's your overall read on Bobby Bradley? Because I think the main question, at least individuals outside the organization have, is is there ultimately going to be too much swing and miss slash, you know, contact that isn't, you know, just not quite able to tap into the power at the rate that you need it to be, you know, relative to how much he strikes out. What's the rate of concern you have with that, if at all? I just don't understand what people want him to do. He was the third youngest player in the Eastern League on opening day. He hit 23 home runs. He decreased his strikeout rate. He has done nothing but hit all through pro ball. You know, you just ran off, you know, how how consistently he's been hitting home runs in pro ball. Um... He's a kid that is from Mississippi, which we always think of, um, you know, as, as a place where, you know, the, the, the players are more raw because they haven't been exposed to as elite competition as, you know, a Texas or Florida uh, or a California. And Bradley hit the ground running in pro ball and, you know, he really hasn't stopped. Yes, he is a first base only prospect. I just don't know what else you want your first base only prospect to do. There are strikeouts in his game, yes, but 22% is completely manageable. For a power hitter, especially. For a power hitter. In today's game, absolutely, you would love that. Right, last year, so just to get the numbers right, last year was 29.7 compared to his numbers this yeah. year. So you cut it 7%. He's still young. No, look, I, I think that's been the question, but he's at least trending in the right direction. And I think that's you know what you clearly want to see. Um, and man, you know, I just think back to he hit one of the farthest baseballs I've seen hit back in the Carolina California League All Star game in 2016 off off a very good pitcher and Ryan Castellani. You know, look, we talked about um, you know he's left handed hitting, you know, first base only, but impact is impact, and I, I do feel like you know he's a guy that once he gets to Triple A, if he shows you know he can handle Triple A pitching, whatever think- perceived holes there are aren't exploited, he'll see his his stock rock it up again. I think he is going to destroy AAA this year, in part because Huntington Park in Columbus is going to play into his favor. Um, you know, he is going to, I think there are going to be huge power numbers from Bobby Bradley this year in Columbus. And does that, you know, instantly mean he's a better prospect? No, it doesn't. But I think people who may be sleeping on him now are going to remember that what Bobby Bradley does is crush baseballs. I will say it's interesting looking at just his month-by-month splits, how streaky he was. Uh, you know, 176 in April, up to 281 with uh, with some more uh, with, with a higher on base and slugging in May. Had a huge June, really went into the tank in July. Bounced back in August. So it was a lot of month-to-month up and down. Um, you know, in terms of him just getting more consistent. You mentioned hitting balls a long way, but doing it on a more consistent basis. Just from your calls and, and research, what were kind of the main things evaluators they wanted to see from him, you know, to take steps towards that? I mean, it's the 
It's the same thing. I mean, it's the, it, there's swing and miss in his game, and, and people want him to, to cut down on that. I don't know. He's a pretty straightforward prospect, and, um, you know, he's he's pretty close to uh, a three true outcomes for his baseman, and um, I think you have to be accepting of that. And, um, you know, I understand— He's never going to win a batting title. I Yeah, <laughs> he's, de- he's absolutely not, although he did win the Arizona League batting title uh, when he won the Triple Crown. Um, but he's never going to win a big league batting title, and I understand that he's limited to first base. And there, there are limitations to this profile. I get it. But, um, you know, when, when we're looking at first base prospects in the game— uh, you know, I think he's definitely one of the best ones. And we'll have our position rankings uh, coming up uh, here shortly. And I will tell you, Bobby Bradley is in the top 10 of that. So he definitely is a, is a, a very, very good prospect who's well-respected. Nolan Jones was a guy who you know, was, was a high pick last year, went to the New York Penn League this year, moved to third base, and destroyed everyone offensively. Uh, in some ways, hard to say breakout year because, look, he was a high pick. There's an expectation he'd be good. But uh, really just a, a pretty s- sensational year, the stat line at least. Uh, talking to evaluators, what were they seeing as the positives and, and the negatives, if there were any? Well, I, I think the big positive for me is just how well he handled the New York Penn League as a 19-year-old. I mean, that's a league where I don't know offhandedly what the average age is. but you know, you, He was you see two, a, two years younger than league average. You see a lot of college kids get drafted and sent to that league. And as a 19-year-old, he led the league in OPS with nine, a 912 OPS. Um, so I, I think that just the way he handled um, handled himself, uh, you know, he led the Penn League in walks. He Strikeouts were a big issue during his pro debut um, in the Arizona League. Uh, coming out of high school, he really cut down on his strikeouts. Um and he's, uh, he's, he's getting to some of the raw power he has. He still has to tap into that more. But, again, he's 19. This is a thing that, that happens. Uh, I think the biggest questions at this point are, is he a third baseman? And, you know, there, there are further questions about his offense, but you, those can't expect to be answered until he gets to full season ball. But, um, you know, he's draft. He, he played mostly shortstop in high school. No one really thought he was going to play shortstop at the next level. Um, so he winds up at third base. He still has some, some work to do defensively. So just, just to put the numbers up there, it, it's ugly. 835 fielding percentage, 22 errors in 53 games, but 835, that's, you don't see a lot of that. It is not what you want. Um, but what, what he really needs to do is just improve is the issue glove arm it, it's it's somewhat of his infield actions the arm's going to play in the outfield if he ends up there he is he's going to be fine as a corner outfielder if he ends up there um you know the he's, he has enough athleticism and enough speed but um you know i think that you know the he just has some work to do defensively all around at third base both with the glove and and with with the throws and and, and all the rest of that um now i think that there's, um, you know, I, 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 I think people like believe in the work ethic and the makeup that he's going to work at this. Now, I don't know if he's going to work, if it's going to come fast enough that he can stay there because if he has that kind of year offensively again, he's going to start moving up faster. Like they left him alone in Mahoning Valley this year. I don't know if they leave him alone in Lake County next year if he's doing that. Um, the Indians are pretty patient, but, you know, there's only. There's only so much, but he he really has made some improvements defensively. I know the the numbers don't reflect that yet, but 
Um, it'll be very interesting to see as he goes through the system, you know, what, whether he stays at third base or whether he moves to the outfield. Shane Bieber, your number five prospect, UC Santa Barbara kid, was always known as a control guy there, but what he did this year in pro ball was kind of ridiculous. And by the way, I think one of the, the better seasons that didn't get a lot of attention in the minor leagues this year, three levels, A, high, A, double A, 10-5, 2.86 ERA, 162 strikeouts, 10 walks in 173 and a third innings. 162 to 10. And by the way, in his pro debut last year, it was 21 to 2. So for his career, he has thrown 197 innings. He has 183 walks and 12 strikeouts. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's about all you can say to that. And so he did what he did this year by not, and, and he was throwing harder. He. Coming out, like at UCSB, it was mostly like, it's okay, it's a command and control righty. Um, you know, the Indians took him in the fifth round. Like, that's a round, you know, where you take a guy like that. Good um, numbers, but you're not sure if the stuff will play. Right. That's, you, that's you're you're thinking like, okay, maybe a, a back end of the rotation starter. Um, innings eating type. This year, he increased his velocity. He's going from throwing 90, 91 to throwing 92, 94, touching a five. Um you know, and, and he didn't sacrifice any command to do that. And, I mean, that, to me, is, is just so impressive. And, and that's why he makes this huge leap up the list to number five. Um, 21 last year. Yeah. And uh, he, he is a guy that is, you know, he's definitely a starter now. Like, there are no questions about that. Um, you know, elite command, I think it's fair to say. Um, he's pitching with an above-average fastball now, uh, and the breaking ball is improving. And um, you know, we've seen that he's pretty dedicated to the idea of getting better. Um, you know, so I, I think there, this is a guy that you know the Indians have been drafting pitchers like him for a few years now, and they've been kind of waiting for one of these guys to take off, and he's doing it. And I, you know, if he if he does that again this year, you're going to see him in the big leagues this season. We've moved into that next group. I think the top five are all guys that various levels of, of, of promise, but most importantly to me, you know, well, not most importantly, but Mejia, we talked about reach the majors, Bieber's double A. Uh, we saw, we saw, you know, Nolan Jones, obviously still in lower levels, but he's still a really good player. But a lot of these guys are kind of, you know, double, it'll be a double A next year. They're majors the next year or two. Uh, further down the list, you have a couple guys who, who are a little further away. Uh, nine and ten really interest me. George Valera was their main uh, international signing this year, and Will Benson, who is you know same draft as Nolan Jones, but is still perceived as being further away. Just you know, given where he's at, these are two outfielders considered high upside, but very extreme risk guys. Um, starting with you know what what had Valera ahead of Benson for you. Um, so that's a tough call, definitely. Um, you know, I, I think they are very close. But I, I think the, the separating factor for me is that Valera is looked at as being one of the best hitters in the uh, 2017 international class. Uh, and, and Ben Badler um, compares him and, and got comparisons uh, on him to, to Juan Soto. And so if you look at what Juan Soto has developed into, and he's obviously still developing as a prospect, but it's a very impressive hitting profile. 
Will Benson um, is a little raw. Uh, not that Valera isn't, but Will Benson is, is a little raw. He has this incredible power. Um, but we've also Six, seen... 6'5", 215, big, big physical dude. He draws some Jason Hayward comparisons because Atlanta, physical, they're actually both the 14th overall pick of the draft. And, um, and you know, he has struggled a little bit with swing and miss at this point. And, you know, if he can harness his physical tools, Will Benson is a monster. Um, but I think there are some definitely some questions about uh, his ability to get to the power and, and all the rest of that. Um, so it's close between those two. Uh, I just went with the guy who um, maybe we feel a little bit better about the, the hit ability. You know, Will Benson uh, has 140 strikeouts and 420 career plate appearances, the 33.3% strikeout rate. And that's not happening at AAA. That's happening at the lowest levels in the minors, rookie ball and low A. Uh, sorry, not even low A, short season, um, Honing Valley. How realistic is it did you feel like you were getting from, from evaluators? I'm particularly curious to hear about from evaluators outside the organization that Will Benson figures it out. You know, I don't know that anybody really has a feeling for it right now. Um, you know, we're talking about a guy who is really young. Um, he was a, a, a two-sports star in high school, and he's focusing on baseball really for the first time. Uh, the tools are so overwhelming. I mean, he, um, you know, he, he led the Penn League in ten, with 10 home runs this year and, and was second in ISO, and yet he's struck out all these times. So, um I think at this point it can really go either way, and um, you know if anyone's really convicted one way or the other, you know I, I, I don't know how you, uh, I don't personally have that conviction, and uh, maybe that's why I'm not a scout. But uh, I, I think it's really hard to be convicted one way or the other on Will Benson right now. Um, I, I think that it's going to be fascinating to watch it play out because again the the tools are exceptional, um, but there there's a lot of, of rawness still to the game. Obviously, you know, top 10, you see talent potential all the way through. Uh, just real quick, deeper into the system. There's still some names here, some interesting guys. Julian Merriweather, who's best fastball in the system, uh, clearly has that, you know, that carrying, carrying pitch and the one you kind of need. Logan Ice is a superb defensive catcher. Tyler Friedman, a, a pick this year that a lot of people liked. Tyler Krieger, a member of uh, the Israeli uh, World Baseball Classic Miracle Run. Uh, so there's definitely some guys down here in the depth. Anyone here, you know, you mentioned you know, Shane Bieber had that huge leap, went from number 21 prospect to number five. Anyone here you see could potentially, you know, A, either take a similar leap or B, you know, before you know it, is, is in the majors and then holding down a spot? That is a good question. Um, you know, when you look at, you mentioned Krieger, um, and, and Krieger and Matthias, Mark Matthias both, uh, have this kind of similar... Um, you know, joined at the hip almost uh, uh, profile in the Indian system. And, um, you know, if, if Krieger can uh, figure some things out offensively, uh, you know, he did not hit – he's hit all his life, really. Last uh, year. Except two, for this year. Right, 225, 303, 337 in A as a 23-year-old. So. Yeah, I mean, if he can figure – some things back out offensively um you know he can make a leap but Matthias um people really have liked him uh throughout his career he's he's impressed coaches everywhere he goes he impressed the big league staff when he was in big league camp last year if he can actually stay healthy um you know there, there's a guy that um could move quickly to the big leagues in terms of making a, a bigger jump 
um, in the in the rankings. Um, you know, I, I look at a guy like Oscar Gonzalez, who's another one of these, um, you know, kind of like in the Benson Valera mold of, of a corner outfield, corner outfielder with, with some big raw hitting tools. Um, he's going to move up to full season ball for the first time next year with Benson and Jones. And uh, just like Benson and Jones could make big breakouts if they can show, um, you know, their, their skill set plays in full season ball. For Jones, that means rocketing up a top 100 for Benson that would mean you know moving to where Jones is about now but for, for Oscar Gonzalez that would mean you know jumping into the top 10 um and talk you, about swing and miss 61 punch outs oh it's f- there. five walks it's uh I, I can see where some of these guys on Mahoning Valley there there are quite a few strikeouts it seems like yes um but you know I mean if he if he figures that out and then I'll give you a couple arms in Sam Henches who has been working back from Tommy John uh should be fully healthy this year had a full off season. Uh, we'll have a full season. He's this big left-handed donkey that um, from Minnesota that throws really hard. Uh, a little bit new to pitching still. Uh, you know, didn't really pitch that much until late in his high school career, and then had the injury that, that's cost him some time. But if he gets going, um, you know, he really can get going. And then um, also Luis Aviedo, right-hander who was in the Arizona League with an very ugly ERA, but some very nice peripheral numbers. And, um, you know, if he can smooth out some of these rough edges, I don't know that he makes that jump this year just because he's probably going to still be in short season ball. Uh, but that's a name to file away for sure. All right. So not to finish on a bad note, but I have to ask, <laughs> was there anyone, you know, look, Brady Aiken, we've all seen the stat line, 5-13, and 13, 4.77, most concerning. Well, A, got hit, 134 hits, 132 innings. 101 walks to 89 strikeouts. Was there anything you heard that gives you, you know, hope or promise for Brady Aiken, or was it pretty much all bad? No, there is, and if there wasn't, he wouldn't be in the 30. Um, you know, he's. I I will say, you, you saw he wasn't in the 10. If you buy a handbook, he will find a Brady Aiken uh, very low report. Um, he's hanging on in there, and that that is because yes, you can see some reasons for optimism. I, I would say one of the biggest reasons for optimism is he took the ball every fifth day. And, you know, considering the injury history, um, you know, that is, I, I feel like, a significant um, step for him. 132 innings is, is definitely not a light workload. Yeah, I mean, so that, that was important. Um, the velocity's not there. The command's not there right now. Um, but the secondary stuff was there as well. So the reason he's able to throw that many innings while he's getting hit as hard as he's getting hit is because when he can't locate his fastball, which no longer is the, or at least it wasn't this year, the the um, you know sixty grade pitch it was or better in high school, um, you know he's still able to throw in some breaking balls and. and find his his secondary stuff and and throw strikes and get outs with that so if he is able to with a full another full healthy offseason if he's able to find either his command or his velocity ideally both but one of the two at least um, you know then he has some pieces to work with to build off of Um, there is still like you it is not time to give up yet. Um, you know, the, the idea that he'll ever be 
what people thought maybe he could be when he was the number one overall pick in the draft, you know, that's difficult to see at this point. But for him to bounce back, like it still has this season is critical for that. But if it happened this year, people around him would not be shocked. Uh, maybe people outside would be, but I, I think um, you know right now it's a very very important year. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how he comes into it. Uh, but there is there is still this chance that there is a Brady Aiken uh, bounce back. All right. Well, on that optimistic note, we'll wrap this up. Thanks for listening, folks. For Teddy Cahill, I'm Kyle Glazer. Have a good one. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.